Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters, the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. I'm Bruce Johnson, joined of course by my brother Jacob Johnson. Hello everybody. And today is our final current events episode for the month of December, but also the year of 2023. Um, so this is this is just a week of finals. We had our last, um, our, our final discussion topic episode on Friday. Now we have our, our last current events episode. And then on Wednesday, we'll have our last um, <clears throat> uh, literature, Wednesday literature episode. And we'll be breaking down chapter three in the book we've been discussing all month. So yeah, this is uh, cool. And then we get two weeks off. We're taking a break. So in case you missed that on the calendar, that's what we're doing. That's the plan. So since it's the end of the year, we've decided to shake things up a little bit and do it a little differently. And actually not we, Jacob had an awesome idea. <laughs> and um, he wanted to recap the year of current events because so much has happened in just a year. And I looking looking at his recap, I was like, oh my goodness, that happened this year? Wow. Thought that was like two or three years ago, but that was just this year. Um, mm-hmm. And there were tons of stuff in the list that I forgot about, and etc. Right. So Jacob is, has put together this awesome list, uh, recapping everything that happened this year, current events wise. Um, so we're going to chat about that and and break down some of those some of those things. And then additionally, uh, I have a theological wrap up at the end. It's a little bit of a larger one today because it's the end of the year, and I I. To be honest, I, I forgot. I just got carried away. <laughs> Let's not pretend there was planning involved. I can retroactively say this was the end of the year, so it's okay. But no, I'm just, I'll be honest. I just, I lost track of my word count. <laughs> um, but uh, we're, I want to talk about a picture of a discipled town. And there is lots there. If that title doesn't give it away, stick around to the end for the last 10 minutes where we break down a picture of a discipled town and uh, kind of recounting some of my experiences here in Moscow over the last three months and how much I've enjoyed it and comparing contrast different things. So anyways, there's a spoiler alert. <laughs> um, so lots to get into today. Before we do that, though, we have to do what we always do, which is talk about our verse slash passage of the week. Our verse this week is Deuteronomy 4, 7 through 9. And these two verses are incredible. They pack quite a punch, and hopefully they're a good reminder for a lot of the things we're going to talk about today. This passage says, For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us, whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, unless they depart from your heart all the days all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. Deuteronomy 4, 7 through 9. We only have two episodes to break this down, which is going to be physically painful for me. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to try to take as much as I can in five minutes or less so that Jacob has enough time to go through his extensive list. This will be a jam-packed episode, guys. So, but oh my goodness, this passage. When I was when I was researching for my theological wrap-up, this came to mind. And I was like, oh yeah. Let me look up that, that passage and look into it and see what it's saying. And 
I was like, oh my word, this is exactly what this ties into our conversation today precisely, right? We are living in a nation, and we talk about this a lot, but I, I, I don't think we can overstate this. We are living in a nation that is a post-Christian nation. Now, that has two, there's two things there. One, we're post-Christian, which means at some point it was Christian, right? This was a Christianized nation. It was founded as a Christian nation. Um, several courts in the 1800s, early 1900s already established that, put it in, you know, literally in writing. This was a Christian nation. It was founded that way, right? No matter how much we try to rewrite history, oh, shoot, those pesky court documents. Just, we can't burn those, dang it. Um, so they burnt everything else, but ah, oh, those pesky court documents, darn it. Um, this was a Christian nation. And then secondly, we're post that now. That's the sad, that's the sad truth. We, we are living in uh, a, a non-Christian nation. But what we have to realize, and we talked about this a few weeks back as well, is that you can't just flip a switch and say, we're no longer in covenant with God. It's not, it's not how covenants work, right? So all the rules of covenant still apply. And this passage outlines those rules for us. But it also gives us some motivation. At the very beginning, these rhetorical statements, right? What great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our mm. God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? Now, that's, that's written by someone who truly understands the joy of the law of God. That's what we are missing desperately today is this, this joy. Lord, how I love your law, right? How I love to live in the way that I was created to live, right? Because that's what God's laws are. We were created to live in a certain way. And when we break that, that, that mold, we're breaking God's laws, we were created to love our neighbors and to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. When we break that, we're going against our nature, the way we were created to live. Now, we do have a fallen nature now. We are born and conceived in sin. There's nothing holy within us, but we still are created the way that God created us. We're still made in his image. We still have those innate things. We're still actually created for good works in Christ Jesus, right? That's another passage. We're created for those things. So that's our purpose, but we have a darkened heart that corrupts all of that because it occurs because of our fall, because of what we did, right? But when we get back to understanding how God created us and examining his law and living in his word daily, the glories of that are marvelous. What great nation is there that has a God so near to it? as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him. And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today. So as we get into our current events, let's talk about and think about really, think about how these current events are directly downstream of us breaking that law, directly downstream of us saying, no, these laws are not holy. These laws are not righteous. They're not great. And this is what you get. So Jake, what you got? Are these are these in any sort of order? Or are these like? Yes. Like, so they first? are in timeline okay. order. So nice. the very nice. first one will be the beginning of the year. And I okay. loved this the the fact that we knew exactly what the very first episode of the year was. 
it helped me really structure everything after that. But nice. um, this the very first one is at the very beginning of the year, and then every single one is just I combed through all of our episodes, and I was like, okay, here are a few good ones. Like I didn't necessarily go through like the most impactful or anything like that. I went through like would be something that we might have forgotten that I that I would bring back up again. Cause and and I'll go through this as I as I go through, but the point of this is I feel is to remember history, right? You everyone knows the phrase, um, know history or you'll be doomed to repeat it. I butchered that, but Those who don't learn from um, mistakes in the past. There we go. Yeah. So in a sense, in and this is not early history. This isn't this isn't like um Genesis times, right? This is not early, early history. This is the past year. But it's history that we need to know. It's history that we need to remember. If we don't know the present history, it's going to be hard for us to know past history as well. So, yeah. with that said, um, this past year was certainly it was something to talk about. And a lot has happened. And I know that we can forget it. So, I, that's the point of this episode. So, today is everybody's lucky day because I'm going to resurface all of this past year's traumas and, and some good things. Emphasis on some. And actually there's more than, than what I when I first anticipated. There's a lot more good things than I than I remember. Um so here's another good post millennial uh, episode as well. <laughs> so in light of not dooming to repeat the mistakes of our past, let's review what has happened. We started this year fresh with a new speaker of the house, who could have been better, but with the push of the faith faithful 21 he was pushed into being one of our better speakers surprisingly enough of course most of us know how that story ends but that is far into the timeline so let's enjoy this for now let's enjoy the little <laughs> bit of this past that was good um mccarthy was endorsed who was endorsed by trump um was slotted to be an excellent another excellent big r republican and that that's not excellent yeah. as in great that's just excellent as in he fits the mold. Um, yeah. However, with the help of 21 brave souls who stopped the vote and held McCarthy to a standard, finally, um, the vote was held to around 15 votes, which was precedent since th that hadn't happened. An unprecedented, that's the word I was looking for, unprecedented, <laughs> and hadn't happened since, since before the Civil War. That wow. hadn't happened until before the Civil War. That's right. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And so it, he was held to that, but he was elected. But before he, before he was elected, he promised to do so many good things under the watch of these 21 Freedom Fighters. I, I was planning on listing them out by name, but I couldn't find the article again that gave me those lists. So maybe if someone finds that, you can look at it yourself, but I know there were 21 people who stopped the vote and that might have changed throughout the votes, but I know at, at most it was 21. So I'm not, I'm, I'm looking to be factually correct, but I'm also looking to go through this quickly. So with that, I end that story and we move on to gas stoves are now political, apparently. And environmentalists were happy because Gavin Newsom of California, also in this same same time frame, also banned cars, banned gas cars. I'm sorry, banned gas cars. Um, and that's just the production of gas cars, as we discussed in that episode. Um, but not to, not much has been said since then. Um, 
and it all has disappeared, and we never have to worry about that thing ever again, right? Well, enough said about that. Let's just forget that ever happened, right? But again, that that did happen. So Mm. my point of all of this, I was being sarcastic, but my point to all of this is let's remember this. Let's remember that that people want, they don't want us to have gas stoves. And and a (laughs) lot of people, a lot of houses don't have gas stoves anymore. There's a lot of electric stoves in houses. I think gas stoves are better, even though I I have an electric stove. I wish I didn't. Well, (laughs) again, enough said about that. Let's move on. And again, let's not forget that that happened. Um, Brad Little of Idaho places a ban on transgendered surgeries. I forgot that happened. Wow. I forgot that happened, Mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. Good grief. That's cool. And that kicks off a whole list of transgendered, a whole list of bans on transgendered surgeries across multiple states. Um, And and this is, and that sounds great. Right. It sounds great. It sounds like, yay, we're reclaiming the earth. I wish uh, until you realize they make these bans on on shaky ground. Um, they do not claim God has any authority on the issue, but instead it is to keep transgendered ideology away from their kids. Mm. Again, sounds great on the outset. And, and, and that would be great, except you forgot one main area of protection for your children, and it's called their minds. You can't say you want to protect your kids from this while placing them in the indoctrination center of the devil. Yep. Yeah. That's not going to work. Strategy kind of fell out the window there. Um, (laughs) So, again. But, with that said, there are at least a few bans out there on transgendered surgeries, which is decent. Let's also Good. not forget that the world hates us because they hate God first. I bring up the new story of a man being arrested for quoting scripture at an LGBTQ rally. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that news is not new. Even, even before that event took place, the Christian ethic will always be under attack, has always been under attack, and will always be under attack because of... Because we stand for something everyone hates. That thing is a God who loves us enough to give us a perfect law book, as Ruth was discussing in Deuteronomy. How, how great is it that we have a God who gives us our laws, who gives us perfect law? Mm. Let's, Amen. And, and they, people yeah. will hate us because of that. Yep. Let's not forget that. I'm coming down to my last few here. Um, so... And I'm, hopefully I'm going through this quickly enough that Bruce will have enough time for his theological wrap-up. I know we're getting to, I think he wants uh, 10 minutes, the last 10 minutes here. So, or a I will continue. Less. I can speed read. Don't panic. No, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I, I can go through this. I can go through this decently quickly enough. But again, <laughs> I think the whole point here, I think I've reiterated this enough, is the fact that we don't forget this. Let's not forget that this happened. All right. So, the Bible... However, given our last story, the Bible will always prevail as thousands of people fight, fought against an openly LGBTQ nun group. Yeah. Do we remember that one? Oh, that one. Yeah. 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 That was that was a big one. I, I think I, I doing that episode was very interesting. Yeah. That's yeah. right. 
That episode huh. was exciting to put together as we discussed who this evil group is. Um, and I think it was the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. That's what it was. Yep. Yep. And, and how thousands, right, thousands, that's a lot of people. Well, I don't need to tell you how much a thousand is, hopefully. Um, thousands <laughs> of biblical men and women stood and spoke out against this atrocity to God's creation. Amazing. It's a great, great thing that happened. And I'm yeah. starting to realize that my, my, what I said at the beginning kind of th- got, falls out the window with all the traumas. <laughs> There's a lot of good things that happened. And now we're getting into a few more traumas. Um, unlike, well, let me start out this way. Oliver Anthony's hit song was deemed the anthem of the working man. Let's, we remember all that. Now, we didn't discuss yeah. this on the show. However, what we did discuss Unlike Oliver Anthony's Anthem of the Working Man, Trump posted a short video telling lockdown enthusiasts that we will not comply, even though he's the one who started the lockdown trend when he was in (laughs) office and said that the lockdowns were necessary. And uh, to add to this, he still holds that position that the lockdowns were necessary and are necessary. He made the best choices, the most best decisions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And wow. Bruce and I get even more heated on that episode. So if you want to check out more ranting on this subject, uh, go to our website at theordshow.net and try and look up episode 229. Uh, so that was a that was a pretty good one. Um and lastly, we're getting close to our very getting close to current history, but we all have had enough recap, so I will end with this. And we all know this one. It's actually still occurring. It is the Israel-Hamas fight. After years of feuds and wars, Israel and Hamas are at it again. World War III is happening. Well, might happen. Especially with Ukraine, which we haven't heard a lot about. Which um, is a little... um, it's a little bit scary that we haven't heard a lot about Ukraine recently. Yeah, I think he's getting jealous over there. He's like, no, they're getting more money than we are. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they are, but... And, more and of course... Yeah, yeah. And of course, we can't talk about Israel without the dispensationalists going crazy, saying our end is nigh. <laughs> uh, like they've been doing for the past hundred years. So, <laughs> hopefully, everyone enjoyed this episode, and I hope it was a nice recap. Uh, I I personally enjoyed looking back at some of our episodes and relearning a lot of the stuff that, that was already discussed. So yeah. with that, hopefully, some people are encouraged to go back and look at our past episodes and figure out a few other things that we might have missed or that we might have that I I missed in this episode. Or surely there's hundreds of episodes. Or well, fifties. You can say that episodes. now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that is true. That is true. So, with that said, I will pass it over to Bruce, who has a Dude. wonderful wrap-up wrap up for us planned. This was awesome. Thank you for putting all that together. I, that was phenomenal. And there's so much in there that I forgot about. But as soon as you just, like, a few keywords, I was like, oh, yeah, that happened. And that happened. <laughs> I was hoping that would happen. I, I was yeah, hoping that yeah. that's... That would kick uh, people's minds. Yeah. Yeah, and you, you set it up so well, too. I love the the, the the punches into those that was great um cool well 
I want to talk about a picture of a discipled town. Um, you know, when, when we've been doing theological wrap-ups for well over a year now, I the way that I plan these, a lot of times I plan them around the current events that are happening. But then some other times I try to figure out, well, what hasn't been said very much recently that I think really needs to be spoken to, right? These are, these are kind of conversation starters, if you will. And um, this one, I think, is spurred on by a lot of recent things that have happened, especially geared towards Moscow, Idaho, which is where I live now. So it literally hits close to home. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but uh, I want to talk about the greatness of the Great Commission. If if you haven't heard me rant about this book before and recommend it over and over and over again, then you're a brand new listener. So welcome to the show. Um, but this is a book called The Greatness of the Great Commission by Kenneth Gentry. Highly, highly recommend it. You should totally check this book out. I think you can get it from American Vision. If not, go to uh, go to Amazon. But The Greatness of the Great Commission is tremendous. Um, and we'll be discussing that, but that's kind of where I drew this title from. But anyways, I want to start out with Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Amen. When I was in South Dakota... I was once asked to play music for the opening service of a new church plant. I was really excited for the opportunity to help a new church get started, and the pastor legitimately seemed to be centered around the idea of Christianizing every part of South Dakotan culture. This was very exciting. We discussed at length how problems with the U.S., and specifically South Dakota, were rooted in the church not preaching all of Christ for all of life. That was encouraging. This seemed like a project I could get behind, so I prepped some of my favorite psalms and hymns for the Sunday service and led the gathered congregation in singing. When the time came for the sermon, though, the pastor announced that the passage he'd be preaching from was Matthew 28, 18 through 20. I was ecstatic, right? I thought to myself, this will be fantastic. I mean, he can't possibly preach a message that doesn't somehow get his congregation to go out into the world and get to work, applying all of scripture to all of life. I mean, that is the obvious conclusion of this passage. There's no way he couldn't preach on that. It seemed to me such a straightforward passage, impossible to misconstrue. And I was certain he'd take this opportunity to share everything we discussed earlier, right? We, we just fleshed this out a couple days beforehand, right? <laughs> I was, unfortunately, mistaken. The sermon largely centered around different evangelistic techniques and methods for getting people into the seats of the church, he said nothing about the full power and authority of Christ going with us as we work to Christianize the city right outside the church doors. He watered down the gospel to relate only to individual souls being brought into the church and said nothing about what they should do once they were there. I was very disheartened. And this was one of my earliest experiences with premillennialism and limited gospel theology in general. And it led me to start asking questions. How many other churches in South Dakota were acting like this? How could pastors read passages about Christ having all authority over everything and think their task was just to go out and fill seats? What else did the Bible have to say about the authority of Christ? And could I share those passages with these people? What might their reaction be? And I wrestled with this for quite a while. Right? These are, these are when, when you sit through something like that, these are kind of the natural things that will come into your head. Like how in the world is this possible? Like, wh where else is this happening? <laughs> right? This 
mixed with Jacob and my upbringing, led me to find a new passion in singing the Psalms and an invigorated desire to see worship approach through the lens of Christ's kingship over the world. Ultimately, this is what made me strongly desire a group of kingdom-minded brothers and sisters in Christ who were working to Christianize the town or city they were placed in, applying all of scripture to all of life. And eventually, this is what led me to my move in Moscow, Idaho, or to Moscow, Idaho. The big takeaway from all of that is that churches today desperately need to stop misrepresenting the Great Commission. Ken Gentry says it well in his book, The Greatness of the Great Commission, on page 13, quote, The Great Commission sets forth the divine obligation of the true created nature of man. It seeks the salvation of the world, the bringing of the created order to submission to God's rule. This is to be performed under the active, sanctified agency of redeemed man who has been renewed in the image of God. That's Greatness of the Great Commission by Ken Gentry, page 13. Evangelical churches today also need desperately to understand what it is they're giving up when they limit the gospel in this way. So not only is this a something that they should be striving for, they're also losing so much of the power of the gospel. They're losing so many of the blessings that God gives to his people when they do what he's called them to do. And churches today ignore that. They seem to think, well, sure, that's good for some people, but not really for us. What they're doing is denying blessings from God. <clears throat> I want to talk about what they're lacking. What are these blessings and what does it look like? What is the image? My remaining four minutes. What is the uh, picture or the image of a discipled town? First of all, it's centered around worship. As I discuss <clears throat> the various aspects of a Christianized town, I'll be using Moscow, Idaho as a sort of real-life example because, let's face it, there really aren't many similar projects in today's modernized dumpster fire of a country called America. The church here in Moscow has been hit from pretty much every side imaginable over the years. One of the most recent swings taken against us here was a piece written by a man named Kevin DeYoung. Throughout the various rebuttals to his piece, the common thread used to describe Moscow by the people that live here is just how centered around worship the town is. The model that's emerged looks very similar to how medieval Christians used to approach the church and worship. And this is um, uh, um, Douglas Jones in Angel in the Architect. Uh, architecture, angels in the architecture. We read through this book a while back, but he says this, the church should be so central in our thinking that without her life would collapse. She should play prominently in our understanding of the past, the present and the future. She, not the state or the family or the individual should be first on our lips when we discuss evangelism and social change and the good life. We should turn to the church first for doctrinal nourishment and practical raiment. Recognizing the centrality of the church doesn't mean spending more time at the local church. It might mean less. It means that we view the world through medieval eyes, a world where the church spire, not city hall, is the most prominent point on the landscape. Because the gospel is not watered down or limited, the Christians living here in Moscow place a high level of importance on being in the word constantly. This mentality produces fruit every day when businesses are formed, decisions need to be made, or when families get together to sing the Psalms. Having only been here for three months, I've been invited to more parties and house parties than I can count. <laughs> and the one thing we always do at some point in the evening is sing Psalms 
and hymns with loud voices and bright smiles. During the summer, we sang them outside in the backyard. In the wintertime, we sing them in living rooms decorated brightly with Christmas lights and a large tree showered with ornaments. The psalms and the joyous worship of our king are central to what people are now calling the Moscow mood. Spend a week here and that will become abundantly obvious. But there are some essentials. There are many aspects of a Christianized town, city, or state that are important and will be natural fruits of a, of a real revived place. But if, if I were pressed to share the two that I believe to be the most important, I would make the case for A, the confession of sins, and B, that everything is to be done in joy. Those are what I would say are the top two essentials. Lots and lots of very important aspects of a Christianized town, but these, I believe, are right up there at the top of the list. First of all, confessing, confessing sins. When real revival is described in scripture, the confessing of sins is always a major part of the process. Quote, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First John 1, 9. Quote, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Second Chronicles 7, 14. If we want a people... If we want to be a people who dedicate everything we do and everything we are um, and everything we're given authority over to the Lord, we need cleansing and humility. Confessing civil, corporate, and private sins to the Lord gives us these blessings of cleansing and humility. So there's a lot more that could be said about that, but I'm out of time. So I'm going to move to the next and final thing, which is done through joy. Everything should be done through joy. Joy is one of the fundamental things we find in Christ. We find freedom from the guilt of sin, we find community, and we find our natures put right, the way they were created to be, unified with our creator. The Bible is so full of passages about joy, I couldn't even begin to describe them all into one list, or condense them all into one list, rather. But I've collected a few. Um, as I walk through these, I hope it becomes obvious to you that joy is not a secondary afterthought. It's one of the central blessings from Christ and therefore of the most importance and utmost importance in a Christianized society. Quote, but let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may exalt in you. Psalm 511. You have put more joy in my heart than they uh, than they have when their grain and wine abound. Psalm 4, verse 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Philippians 4, verse 4. And finally, speaking to the place of psalms and singing and music, quote, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. James 5, 13, which shows us that the place for singing and the place for all of these things is coming from a joyful heart. There's lots more that could be said on these topics, uh, but I hope that, that this, like I said at the beginning, is a good conversation starter. It gets you thinking about the greatness of the, of the Great Commission. It gets you thinking about, is your town centered around worship? If not, why not? Is your church working for that? If not, why not? Get to work. <laughs> and if it's not possible, ultimately, sometimes the hard decision might be, I might just have to leave and join a group of believers brothers and sisters in Christ who are actually kingdom minded and are working to Christianize the place outside their doors. Finally, <clears throat> I hope the essentials, my top two essentials were interesting. I'm sure you will have some others that you believe are top essentials for a Christianized town. Share those in the comments below, but my two essentials were confessing sin and 
having everything be done through joy. Anything you'd like to wrap us out, Jake? Wrap us out? Finish? Wrap us up with? Kick us out with? I don't know. Wrap up with? <laughs> uh, I think that's I like... Round us out. Yes, that's a good one. I like this uh, last verse. I think it sums up your last two points very well. The fact of any afflicted, uh, let him pray. The confessing of sins. Is there any merry, let him sing. That that joy, bringing it through joy. So I I I, I think that verse is well uh, well put. I also very like the wow. verse of the week. Don't, let's not forget that one either. That's a very very good one. Yep. And we'll be discussing yep. more of that on Wednesday. So yes, sir. That's all you. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jake, for all your hard work putting together that list, uh, the highlights of the year. Um, we hope this episode was uh, enjoyable and you learned some things and you have some new conversation starters. So take them and uh, converse. <laughs> and as always, thanks for watching or listening. Our show website is trdshow.net. We love getting emails from you, uh, of course. So send your emails to trdshow at protonmail.com. And we have merch. Christmas merch is now available. Mm -hmm. We have three t-shirt designs. They're all epic. And they are all available on the TRD Show merch store, which, by the way, you can get the mugs that Jake has, the mug you see here on my shelf. Jacob has his mug. Yeah, there it is. He always drinks out of that mug. Um, we've got stickers. <clears throat> we've got T-shirts. We've got hoodies. We've got all sorts of stuff. And if you have some ideas for designs you'd like to see or things you think would look cool on a T-shirt, you know, you can let us know. And we'll take those into consideration because Mr. Nash puts together some pretty awesome stuff. So, thank you all very much. We're looking forward to seeing you on Wednesday when we break down the uh, third chapter of God Rest You Mary by Douglas Wilson. And until then, remember everyone, in all that you do, do it as unto the Lord. <laughs>